and unpause as yeah. I just got a brief Mandarin lesson. <laughs> yeah, no, um, the kids are pretty uh, insistent if I am when I'm when I'm at home, which is most of the time. But they that there's cuddles and kiss every single night, eight thirty to nine o'clock. Time to go to bed. Daddy and mummy have to lie down with them for a good ten to fifteen minutes and swap. So it's seven minutes aside, roughly. But yeah, I just told them tonight is a special occasion. Daddy will definitely give them a cuddle. They may not be awake to remember it. Um, so we'll go back to that guy and his yes, decision for paralysis choice. because he's yes. spoilt for choice, right? But before we yeah. do, we've now opened a bottle of Lark Symphony Number no. One. So this Blended. is Lark's first malt whiskey that they've done, and it's not bad. It's a yeah. bit, honestly, I did try some before, and it's a bit too spicy for my okay. palate, but it's good. It's not bad. And it's if you're in the market and you see blended, please try. Don't be turned away. And even do a little bit of research into what goes into blending whiskey, mm. because holy shit snacks, it is a science. Yeah. How they, because not only do they have to blend it once, I have to blend it in two years' time, especially for like a product like your um, Johnny Walkers and uh, Doers is another one. They're making the same whiskey for years and years and years, different conditions, different grains. The number of variables yeah. to be able to consistently build, make and blend the same flavor profile. It's hard. Come on. That's impressive. Speaking of impressive, your conversation with this client with decision paralysis. Decision paralysis, right? So- we're talking about that he and his partner regularly discuss finances. And this ties into the conversation on social media because this guy has no social media presence. He works in an average job. Like when I say average, I'm not talking in a negative sense. I mean in a, like in a job that is consistent with someone of his age and he wouldn't be flashing Rolexes or anything like that. But he's in a better financial position than 98% of people I talk to. Because he's constantly working with his partner to refine. Uh, no, he doesn't. And I, mm. I did. I did tell him that today that he's in a good position because he invested young. He doesn't spend money he doesn't have. They save. They squirrel away money. They're very conservative with their money. And guess what? I, I like. I meet people his age all the time, and they are up to their eyeballs in debt. And it's up to us with our craft approach to finance where we, we're literally telling them, I know we get paid if we do loans for you. You don't need any more loans. You need to pay down the ones you've got. Yeah, because you're um, not trying to get them into a 14% personal loan so they can buy right. a depreciating asset that they're going to yep. write off on the corner going 180Ks mm. one day and then owe, you know, 14% <laughs> on a $25,000 loan for an asset that doesn't exist anymore. That's right. So that's, you know, that, that was, you know, I wanted to A, affirm that the, the decisions he's mm. made so far are correct. But, but it only got him so far. And, and I related the experience with my business partner and I. I said, you and your wife need to go drop the kids off with, with your parents or, your, or the aunties and uncles. And you need to go down to the peninsula somewhere with where you can relax your body, relax your mind and relax your tongue. Yeah. So a bit of alcohol, Love some it. hot springs and, you know, just sit down and just start talking about what do you want? Yeah. Like what? And I think that a lot of people- That's cool. When they're buying investment properties, when they're making big decisions in their life, they're not stepping back and going- what do I genuinely yep. want and what would make me happy and my partner happy? Like what is going to make both of us happier next year than we are today? Love it. And, and I just I just said, man, like the limit of our conversation today is you can do a lot of things, but we're not going to talk any further until you've gone and had a weekend away with your missus and just, I, to, just to work on the business rather than in the business. 100%. I can testify that's a conversation you had with me and my wife, Kate, when we chatted with you, you asked what we want. 
and we had already discussed it. We knew the yeah. lifestyle we wanted. We had a rough idea of the position we were in and we knew where we wanted to get to. We knew what the next destination was, just it was more of that, okay, we've got a couple of roads, speak to a professional and that knowing what you want. And I wonder, people that you talk to like that that are in that situation, um, the skill, do you think that it's the skills and the discipline and the almost person, I'm just going to say personality is a blanket statement. The personality that got them into the financial position that they're in mm. is not necessarily the personality they need to take that next leap yeah. because they haven't taken risks. Mm. But the position they're in now means that they've got to do something that's counter to their personality. Yeah, that's, that, be, that, that is a fair and accurate statement. So, what has gotten them to the position they're in is like if you were to say the recipe to success is blah, 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 yep. they've done the 50% and it is not intuitive to them the other 50%. And so, and this is where Luke and I balance each other out really well is that Luke hates change. Yes. I love change. I frog change. <laughs> like change for me is like a roller coaster. Yep. It's wild and I love it. And I can, I can testify that Luke and I at Dreamworld on the Gold Coast a couple of years ago, he is not a huge fan of roller coasters. So, oh. the, 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 I guess, uh, comparison between the two is ample. Yeah. Um, but, but I don't like the boring grind. Yep. Like I have a very short attention span for doing what needs to be done because it needs to be done. No and wonder we get along. <laughs> <laughs> but like that is where yep. we've balanced each other out really well because mm. like he reminds me constantly like, do what you need to do. Like get up, mm. and do what you need to do, and you, you go through those motions. And mm. people, I, I, I would definitely correct anyone who, who doesn't look on that as a highly valuable skill because it, it's that discipline that that gets you to that level. And anyone who makes it by, you know, being on a having a roller coaster personality, as in you like roller coasters, not that you might have bipolar, but <laughs> um, but anyone who makes it that way, it's often by luck. It is sheer bum's luck that they, they did that. And often they burn bright and they burn out because they don't have the counterbalance of yep. we've reached a new level. Now we need to plateau for a while and figure things out and make sure it all works good. Because we'd often find that one of us would come up with a good idea and if it wasn't my idea, it would take me time to warm up to it or just I'd just completely demolish it. And likewise, I'd throw out ideas. Luke might warm up to it or he'd completely demolish it. And you have to have a thick skin about that. You can't take it personally. And um, it's the lack of ego. Yeah. And that's the thing that I'm oh. keeping, I keep sensing in your com in your relationship with your business manager, the marriage. You called it a, man a marriage, not me. Yeah, just keep um, He'll hate it, but yeah. I'll just keep going. Great. Because if he listens, he'll just be, he'll be cringing. Yeah, he'll be cringing. Up and it's but oh, a couple of thoughts I just had. One, was it by design or by accident, this yin-yang setup? Completely by accident. Yeah, I thought so. Um, where would you be? Let's play the what if game because that's always a fun one. Where would you be if you didn't have him? I'd be bankrupt. <laughs> I would be 100% bankrupt. I would be bankrupt. I'm not laughing at the bankruptcy. I'm just laughing at the reality that, yeah. Can, 100% yeah, because that's... I made some wild decisions that if he wasn't there to cover my back and have my back for those decisions, like even buying this place um, that I'm in now, like if it wasn't there... Brendan is politely looking for someone to put his ash, the the, the decent headed ash that's building up. And you like, can drop it on the concrete, mate. There's oh no, a, the dog just <laughs> trying to take a bite of it and was violently disappointed. Oh no, no. He he's fine. But no, Brendan, he'd be bankrupt living on the street. But I would be 
bankrupt living on the street if it wasn't for LJ. And um, and I, I Thanks, freely LJ. admit, I freely admit that. And what were some uh, of those decisions? I'd love to hear. Buying some of those. this house. What do you mean? Oh, but you man. did buy this house. Yeah, I know. And I barely, we barely made it happen. Like, all right, I'll tell you the YOLO. So you want to know what my personality is like? All right. So my personality is, <laughs> you know what? This place has come up. I've just started looking, but, and, and I'm my own worst customer. Because I tell people, like, don't buy unless you're pre-approved. Don't do it. It's the worst thing because it's so stressful. And I saw this place and literally, uh, I'm not going to go through, but the, the street name is my mum maternal, you know, on the maternal side, the Italian ancestral home. And the number is a very lucky number in Chinese. And I was like, could it be more perfect? I could die in this place, bury me in the backyard. Um, and I see potential. I hate seeing things that are a finished product because I didn't finish that product. So I saw potential and I was like, a potential city. Making so much sense. Yeah. And, you know, this is awesome. I didn't have the deposit. I hadn't listed my house. I, I had nothing in place for this to happen. And I signed an unconditional contract. <laughs> no. On a place that was worth almost three times the place that I was in. What would you have done if I did that when we talked a couple of <laughs> I would have cried. cried. The only reason I could pull it off is because I had an ABN. Oh, the only reason I could pull okay. it off because I didn't even have two years in the business yet. So I didn't wow. even have the tax returns needed and done to get a normal loan. So, and I didn't manage to sell my place in the right time frames. So Luke, uh, and I'll, you know, I don't, I don't think he minds me sharing this, but he was such a blessing to me. He actually was like, I know you've sold, you're going to sell your place, so I'll front the deposit and you just oh. pay me back. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> like ride and die. You talk about ride and die, you talk about marriage, that's marriage Shut material right there. That like, is. That's butthole clenching <laughs> amounts of money. So, and he trusted me with that and I had to repay that trust. So I worked the hardest I've ever worked and that's one of the things that I love about our industry is you reap what you sow. You do love a it. good job, you do a lot of you it. Get that return. You get the return. It's not like in a job where... You sow uh, your blood, sweat, and tears, and you just get your nine-to-five paycheck. No. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I did, fr- fairly enough, blood, sweat, and tears, put myself to the verge of a nervous breakdown, sold my place at literally the peak of the market. Like, it could not have worked Good. out better. Um, managed to settle the place, paid back LJ, and then the next thing I did, my wife's like, we're not buying unless we're renovating because this place is like 30 years old interior. And I'm like, all right. So, okay. I used my tax money that I had in store to pay my taxes so that I could go to a normal bank because I was on 6.09% and I had to pay a 1% upfront fee. What year was that? That would have been... 2018. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I had to I sold at the top, bought, and this place sold, you know, not at the top because it was, you know, type of the worst house, the best street type thing. Yep. But, um, you know, I was paying 6.09%. So, when people tell me like, I don't know if I can... Pay that, it's 3.5%. I'm like, ah. Money's cheap, people. Now money is free almost. So, yeah. um, you know, I uh, YOLO'd my um, my savings, essentially. So, yeah, I, um, I YOLO'd my whole savings and uh, that I had planned to pay my taxes so I could go to a normal bank on the bet that if I did YOLO this on renovating, that the value would go up for every dollar I spent, it would go up by $2. And then it would... I could refinance with the same non-bank lender to get the get that out and pay my taxes. So I could renovate, I could eat my cake and have it like, you know, cut my cake and eat it too. Well, I can't remember how the saying goes, but, um, and it worked. And it was like the most stressful thing I've ever done in my life. And from that point with Luke's calm, calm guidance, like on reflection is like, I would have rather died than do what you did there because of all the risks. I could have lost everything. And it was only because Luke was there to back me and, and support me that we made it through. And, uh, and after that, I was like, that's when I took some of the LJ on and went, all right, I'm going to learn from you. 
because you're a very relaxed guy, you're healthy, you're fit, and you don't seem to sweat bullets as much as I do, it's because he makes a lot more calculated, less risky decisions. So, and, and that's a large part of like what I learned from him in, in, and took from him. And likewise, you know, he's made some more bold moves because he's seen it's paid, it's paid off for me some, you know, in, what is it, 80% of the time works 100% of the time. Um, <laughs> he's seen that the occasional bold move uh, can, can reap dividends. And I feel like that was definitely on display when he was the one that was like, that's it. We're not renewing our lease. We're going to jump into this new office. So You stole a thought out of, out of my brain because I was just thinking about that correlation between your appetite for risk and um, seems like perpetual itchy, itchy feet. But I feel like the, and tell me if this is an incorrect statement, your one, ability to see potential in something, but two, ability to communicate it and get other people on board mm is part of the secret sauce that goes into your and your business partner's relationship. Because mm-hmm. if you get to see the potential but you're an asshole about it and didn't communicate it, you blow up. Wouldn't go anywhere. So yeah. how do those – actually, yeah, how do those conversations – oh, we've got the dog getting teased by possums at the moment. It's quite cool. <laughs> um, how do those conversations go with it? Are they the same as those other ones where you catch up shooting range or golf? Well, that's that's or, typically when they happen. Yeah. Because in the office, it's like it's a lot of larrikin, a lot of lot of joking, a lot of fun, uh, hashing out you know the technicalities of a particular file we're working on. Like you don't, and, and we share an office with everyone. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're amongst all the people, so you can't have certain high level private conversations. Because as much as one of the realizations was is that one of the things we wanted everyone to you know we had almost an almost communist idealism about <laughs> about everyone being equal. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, we've worn nearly all of the risk and we've yep. tried and, and absolutely we only wanted brokers who would have an appetite for risk so that yes to be fair they have taken some risks but by and large nearly all of the risks have been borne and worn by us so you know that understanding that there are different levels to conversations and to people's risk appetite mm. why not everyone is created or even ends up developing equal not everyone wants that yeah so it's not that one is better or worse or higher or lower, but it's just different. Yeah. It's just different. So our conversations, how do they happen? Frankly, and exactly like this, so number one, lacking in ego. Mm. So no one's going to get hurt feelings. No one's going to get butt hurt over some negative feedback. And I'm always, you know, going back to Dirk, shout out to Dirk, top leader. Feedback is a gift. It was Love like, it. he was like, Hey, anytime something goes belly up, and there were at least two instances where I made mistakes in the bank and I, and I was going to be fired and he said, don't fire him, he'll learn from it and it won't happen again. And that belief in me to not make those mistakes again, which I never did, mm-hmm. um, and it was purely out of ignorance and my eagerness to be of help that those mistakes were made. Pause. That moment right there, I feel like, is absolute gold for anybody that is that finds himself in a similar situation, but not knowing how to, again, communicate because yes, you can talk very well. You can articulate ideas, potential, and also facts and figures very well, which is, I feel like it's rare to be both conceptual and numbers orientated and be able to convey both verbally in an articulate way that anybody can understand. Especially working in university, I find that lots of very, very smart people can't communicate peanuts. <laughs> Might be the smartest person in the room, but they can't actually communicate it to anybody in a way that they can actually digest. Mm. You know, the whole, if you can't explain it to a four-year-old, what are you doing? Yeah. 
feel like you've got that ability. So that moment right there that you just uh, that you just touched on, where you know your previous mentor boss had gone into bat for you and go, don't fire him. He'll learn from it. He'll move on. What did Tony do in the lead up to him going into bat for you that made him want to bat for you? And to post that to show and communicate both verbally and non-verbally that, yep, noted, got it, won't stuff up like that again. How did you go about that? Because I feel like people kind of, I don't know, fight or flight in those situations, Mm. especially with feedback. Mm. Our initial Mm. response is, stuff you, you're wrong. Like, how did you handle that, I guess, pre-kick up the ass, him going to defend you, and then the redemption Part of the story, yeah. How? What was that? Those stages. Um, I won't go into the minutiae of what happened <laughs> the first time where I was like, "Oh, damn it!" Um, but it comes back down. Like the whole fight or flight thing is very much again. It comes back to the whole piece about ego. You want to fight because you feel like your ego, your sense of self, is being attacked because someone is saying that you're not right, and that's because people marry their opinions, their decisions, and their ideas to their identity. So when those things are challenged, either their decision, their opinion, or their choices, whatever it is, they feel like they're being personally attacked. And so the fight or flight thing kicks in. Whereas I just said, like, like like my initial reaction was, I'm dead. I have a family to support. I have a mortgage, a car loan. I have a a wife who's, you know, heavily pregnant. you know, I, I have all these things in place and I can't afford to lose what I've got. So that was the initial reaction. I can't afford I to lose that. this job. I love that. Um, it was more practicality than any sort of Confucius wisdom. No, that is, that is so honest. Thank you for sharing that. Sorry, I interrupted, continue, but I'm just blown away by that that level of insight into yourself that it wasn't <clears> this and a message from God came down or I just knew this is what I had to do or I listened to Brene Brown podcast and it told me that I should do this or I'd read a Harvest Business Review thing on 10 tips on how to impress your boss. No, you went, shit, I've got mouths to feed. Yeah. I need it either. If I blow up, that's not going to work out. Yeah, that's it. And And after that, I sought advice from people like my dad and I just said, you know, like, how do I, and, and started reading a bit more, like, how do I come back from this? Because, like, I, my initial reaction was a defensive one. And when I say defensive, I don't mean I went on an attack or I started defending what I did. What I meant defensive was I turtled up and I just said, I yep. know what I did was wrong. It was, de- it was not by intent. The intent came from a good place. And I learned my, the le- and I, I, I iterated the lesson that I learned because my boss took the time to actually have a conversation and we, we just went back and forth until we came out with another one of these... Um, gold sayings which is trust but verify Mm. so you can trust that someone's done something right and that's what I did I trusted that what I had got was the correct thing but I did not check it and I just and that not checking um, led to a mistake I should have checked but I didn't and and that is probably the most talked about and the most bandied about saying in our office actually is trust but verify because we ask for documents from clients and we trust that what we ask for is what has been provided but our team is conditioned by Luke and I to trust what they've sent is correct, but verify it. And and that means like if they, we ask for three-month statements, we have to check that it's three months. 
Because yeah. just because we've asked for it, we might get a month and a half and we and send it, it in. doesn't always necessarily mean that the other person's lying. That's what I love about oh. the verify. Verify is such a neutral statement. Yeah. It's an action. It's not assume that liars are bu- that buyers are liars. No, 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 no. It's maybe they forgot. Yeah. Oh, well, sorry. I should have communicated this or especially with the amount of details that banks need to approve loans. Right. It is complex. There's a lot they need. There's a lot they need. We I thought I knew what they needed and I used to work in a bank when I was going through and Amy, shout out to Amy, phenomenal. I was like, I need something. Oh, what? yeah, I missed that detail. Fair enough. Thank you. Because she verified. She was able to pick up something that, not that I deliberately missed out, I just forgot. Yeah, and it's it's like we call um, bank statements dirty underpants because <laughs> I love that every time like as banks need to see like a, a lot of the time they want to see your bank statements. This is raw commission stats, but now they're sort of taking it yeah. off that, which is crazy for us who went from a, a loose environment to an increasingly tight environment. Yeah. To see them taking their foot off the pedal now is like it seems ridiculous, and we're still requesting statements because we don't know which because some banks don't need them anymore. Most banks do. Yeah. So we get them anyway, because if a bank doesn't need them and ask for them later and you haven't checked them yourself, you've just trusted the client's a good person. Case in point, not mentioning names, client came to us, looked all good, went through statements, like a four-figure sum spent at a brothel. <laughs> I'm not laughing at the action. It's terrible, but seriously, what? Yeah, I know, right? So we didn't get into we didn't get into it with him, but we need but I'm so glad we checked it out because we put notes in advance. So the bank didn't ask a question, it was approved first touch. But that's because we checked. We had a good explanation for why that money was spent there. And we also had about 30 minutes laughing because did you know people actually leave reviews on Google for brothels? We looked up this place because we wanted to verify because we weren't sure. What is this business? Yeah. We're like, what, what is this large lump sum spent at this place? Because the bank is definitely going to ask, what is this large lump sum? No joke. We Googled it. There were Google reviews. The reviews are the funniest thing. If you ever need to do a funny segment, just do... Brothel reviews on Google and read them out loud. You will cry. You will die laughing. Love it. Because the literacy of some of these people is at a bare minimum, but they must have been so impressed that they decided to provide a 50 to 100 character review on their experience. And I'll tell you what, if, if restaurants got as many reviews as this place, they would kill it. They would absolutely- so what you're saying is the hospitality industry needs to learn a thing or two from the sex industry. Yeah, basically. They've got it nailed. <laughs> oh, there you go. This is secret to this podcast, guys. I'm going to wrap it up there. Yeah. Well, so, well Drop the mic. Solved. Drop the mic. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, so we've actually tangented uh, far away from where we originally were. But that mm. whole, you know, things like trust, trust and verify. verify. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that was very much um, a lesson I learned in that moment. And by demonstrating to my boss's boss that I had learnt the lesson and uh, that was a key factor. It was just like, I learnt the lesson. When you go to a a country and you don't know the culture, you don't know the language, you're going to eat shit a lot. Like, put your foot in it all the time. And is that good to assume from the start? When you go to a new country? No, no, no. Well, yes. And when you go into a role... And you're wanting to grow and learn and absorb all that you can, but you just assume that you're gonna eat shit at some stage. Yeah, it's bound. It's bound to happen. If it doesn't, it's more. It's more ass than class. Like it's, it's bound to happen. And I think that's really important if you are on both sides of the equation. So as somebody who is maybe in a role where you're not the leader, but you are somebody who's performing a function, then 
you need to be a, at least a bit self-aware that you will make mistakes and that the answer to those mistakes is not to cover them up. It's to be honest about them, identify what you did wrong and prove that you're not going to make the mistake again intentionally. And then on the flip side as a leader, it's not to have ex- these crazy, talking about expectations again, not to have expectations that people are perfect. Yeah. The other like great quote that I heard about building any organization is it's like building a house with bananas because no one's a brick. You can't just, no one's like a perfect square and they all click together and everything just stacks on top of each other neatly. Bananas being the shape they are, it's a, it's a mission to build a Jenga tower out of bananas because everyone's different. So, and I think that's what makes being a large organization particularly difficult. It's a lot and, of bananas. It's a lot of bananas. You can't be picky. Like Woolworths is going to have some bad bananas in there because they can't afford to be picky. They need a bajillion bananas. Mm. And there just aren't a bajillion amazing people out there. It's true. There aren't. And, and, you know, not everyone is amazing. And some of them that are amazing end up going and starting their own thing. Yeah. They're in private enterprise, not working for big corporate. Yeah. Some people do. And it's, it's like they, and I, like I relate back to, you know, Dungeons and Dragons days playing Baldur's Gate and all these other things. When you're maxing out stats, building a character in Baldur's Gate, and when I say stats, there are different attributes that are accredited and this is familial to anyone who plays role-playing games where it's there's intelligence charisma strength uh, constitution which is endurance and ability to endure uh wisdom lock picking and luck and luck and under that subset there are different skills but these are like the main uh characteristics and in these games you only have a set amount of points you can be intelligent but you've got to compromise somewhere you can't yep. be super strong or super yep. endurance like if you want to max out on one of these stats you're going to have to compromise on others because if you if you can put in a maximum of 20 points, you can be average in them all or you can be really good in some, really good in others. So when you're building a team, you sort of got to know that what does the role require and what does the culture require? And then you, you treat people like, it's, I'm sure this is not in any hiring and firing books but, or any HR manuals, but I, I look at it through the lens of building a team in Dungeons and Dragons. That's, that's literally how Flipping I love it. I absolutely love it. So two questions from Matt then, and feel free to answer in either order, is, all right, so you've started this new venture with JK Family Finance. Finance Family. Finance Family, sorry. Finance Family, which is equivalent of you starting a new game with fresh stats. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. So what, Alex, is the first question, how are you allocating the stats within building that team? Two... Within some games, you come across a certain McGovern that lets you reset your stats and reallocate every now and again. It's usually very expensive, and you get that sort of Goldilocks moment where you can go, I get to reset my stats, keep my character, keep the amount of stats that I've got, and I can reallocate them in different areas. So second question is, if you could go back to 27, 28-year-old Tony, how would you reallocate your allocation of stats well, for starting off with the JK team. I'll, I'll build on that analogy. Yes. So JK Deep Finance down the hole. was our first playthrough. Yep. And we did it the way we thought it should be done and we realized along that path there might have been a better you know, answer to that quest or there might have been a better way we could resolve that quest to get better rewards or an easier outcome. Because I love playing things for the best possible playthrough. So Why is that? Something, I've got a completionist streak. I need to yeah. tick all the boxes. I need to make sure that, like in Mass Effect, yep. as an example, 
Mass Effect 3, there are multiple decisions you can make. And Terrible even in game. Mass Effect 2, and this is the bit that actually drove me crazy about that game, was decisions I made in a game that was made two years ago actually came through and determined whether or not certain characters would live or die in my third playthrough. Yep. So being completionist Tony, I had to go back and replay Mass Effect 2 so I could make the correct decisions so that when so I played can, Mass Effect 3, I could carry my save over. Because you didn't want to miss out on those potential stories. I wanted the things. perfect ending where everyone yep. lived, yep. everyone was fine, everyone was happy. And I've applied that same... Uh, I don't know what you call it, like tick, like mental tick that I have to do it a certain way to like JK finance is how we try things out and, you know, make mistakes. And when we find the perfect playthrough, we build, we give it to the finance family. So we give it to finance family. So that in that answer, now we did in building a team and trying to scale, we had an abortive attempt during COVID by sort of dropping the barrier for entry for the sake of growth. And that was a mistake and it cost us money. So we, we potentially allowed someone into the organization, which wasn't a smart move. It was done with the idea that we wanted to grow and this person might be a good fit, we'll see. And that was probably, I, that in, for me personally, that was the first and only mistake we've made in finance family. Um, that was, yeah, that was definitely the, 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 the number one. We're gonna have- We're gonna have a little bit of that one? Yeah, you yeah, can yeah, definitely yeah. have some more of that. I didn't mind it. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's Yeah, like I said, it's a bit spicy, the, the symphony number one. Mm, mm. So you let someone in potentially. And, and, and they've left since then. Yeah. And it was a, it was a natural progression to them leaving. It was a, a mutual realization that this wasn't the best fit for that person. Right. And that that's the hard bit about, you know, or let's say the craft element of what we do. Because if you're building, let's say, a, a gin botanical base. Yep. So going to the botanicals that they used. Yep. If you're asking for Egyptian coriander seeds. Right, there is a certain finite amount of that. Let's say, okay, there is a, there's enough to mass produce. Now, let's say you want to get more special. You want to have better coriander seeds. It's just not as available. Yeah. Scarcity. And that's hard because my personality type is, let's do it now. And having the wisdom, also mm. a very strong Luke Jacobson trait, to say no because... You, like just because to preserve to preserve the the standards of whatever it is, rather than go for aggressive growth, like that was definitely it was my move, it was my mistake, and I own it to today. Um, and it was a lesson learned, and, and definitely neither of us rub it in each other when we make a mistake. We occasionally bring it up as a as a, as a joking rib. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah like yeah. Luke Jacobson, love the guy, and he'll say, and and I freely admit, I definitely pushed for this guy to do the rebranding, and Luke was like, he was not impressed, and the first thing he said when the guy presented the thing was, wow, I'm glad that I, I uh, said no to naysayer Tony and we went with you. And I cracked up laughing because he was the naysayer and he knew it and he had a good laugh about oh, it as well. No. So that's our sense of humor. Like yeah. when I, when he says that we do should, should do something and I say no and it works out, uh, I'll be like, man, I'm glad I had that idea because it was clearly his idea and everyone has a laugh about it. And what that does is diffuse his ego. Oh, 100%, yeah. Embracing that mis- that that mistake, yeah, um, and owning it, and I think that's something that Aussie humor does well, yeah. as well as embracing that that type of humor, mm. that sarcasm. It kind of, it, it, you know, we hate tall poppies. We love to bring down, which is both a pro and a con. But when it's done in a healthy manner, I think it definitely can continue to keep the two of you on that same page, mm. which is healthy. Mm. Yeah, so. You know, when we're building the team, what do we look for in terms of stats? We look for people that want independence because the, the, sh- the model of what we do is 
the more you do, the more you make. The less you do, the less you make. And it's not about how much you make. It's about yeah. how much do you want to do. So you look at, you know, you're balancing an equation. If you say four plus five equals nine, yeah. that's person plus effort equals money. Yeah. Or person plus, I should say, not effort. We'll say effort and time. So person plus effort and time equals money. But we've, instead of like organizations, they want you to achieve a target. So that's what they outline. We want a person yep. who can give us the effort and the time so that we will have money. Whereas what we've said is we want the person with the money that they want for the effort and time they want to put in. It's almost so, like a meritocracy that results in profit. But that's right. But it's, it's more like if that person's goal is to do half as much work as the next one, just because they only want to work two or three days a week and they want to go to the beach, they want to surf, they want to do other things, they're happy with a lower level income because it gives them a greater amount of freedom, that's okay because there are no targets in our organization. They, For them, they are able to work as much or as little as they want to because the, the reason we left the bank was because people were working 60 hours a week and you didn't have time for your family or for yourself. And... One of the things that really struck me was I'm not living this life just to grind. make money or grind or sp- spend all my hours in there because the, we were saying this before, the richest, the biggest the splash of look at me, I'm doing well is look at all the free time I've got because- Comes back to that. Yep. It comes back to like, who's got free time? Because this person, I know a lot of people who work very hard, have a lot of money, but they don't enjoy it. Yep. They don't enjoy it because they don't have time to enjoy it. Yeah. So, you know, I'd rather have less money but have more time. And and what we've tried to do for our for our finance family team is the whole JK Finance model was built on how do we outsource certain <coughs> functions that don't take away from the craft aspect and we can avoid becoming a sausage factory of finance. <laughs> like how do we do that and also free up more of our time? So we've hit that balance now. It's working really well. The team's in, in a good place. And we've been able to replicate that for finance family where they could go out and be a broker by themselves, but they wouldn't have the support. Therefore, they'd be working way more hours. Therefore, they'd be like, I might as well just go back and work for a wage because there's less stress. There's less risk. You're empowering them (laughs) to be able to make something for themselves, but you're also equipping them to be able to do that as well. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. Slight tangent, tangent time. Tangent no, time. That's, that's not the jingle. That's not going to be <laughs> we'll a thing. <laughs> we'll work on that. We'll, we'll workshop that. Um, contrast. Maybe it should just be contrast time. I don't know. Whatever, Brendan. So that attitude and that approach to work and life and family, I'm not going to attempt to quote it because I'll butcher it. But it's along the lines of, you know, one generation lived to work and other ones work to live. Mm. And how would you describe the difference between how you're going about what you're doing, you personally, for that time pursuit mm. versus our parents' generation? I think it's, um, I think there's an element of, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs going back to yep. I, I, that's the yep. only thing I remember from uni in, in the marketing yep. subject that I paid yep. lots of money for but back then you had to grind you didn't have a choice you had the freedom to make those sort of decisions that's a luxury uh, and that's a luxury risk and was a luxury no no I mean like being able to choose yeah. and pursue your yeah. passion yeah because there's a lot of research done that look you know if you are passionate and you really do enjoy something you, you're going to give it more effort you're going to do better at it um, 
and our you know parents' generation, they had to just do what they had to do to make ends meet. And I think a lot of that was the pressure before them and the pressure before them. And I think, you know, the relative luxury of, of you know, first world Western countries has given us the opportunity to be more creative and, and allow that creativity and that passion of entrepreneurship to drive excellent outcomes. And you see that in the people that are not only making absolutely loads of money, but are changing the world. Your Jeff Bezos's, yeah. your Jack Mars, your mm. Elon Musk's. These are people that are genuinely passionate about, like, you know, more than just making money, but actually creating a positive impact in the world. And that, it, it recycles and feeds into each other. So, if you were to say, what is our mission statement for all our clients is to constantly keep them recentered and focused on having a debt-free and time-rich life. Um, and if you're talking about for our people, it's almost exactly the same. Mm. We want them mm. to be to have, I guess, the sense of fulfillment and enjoyment from what they do, but also without the pressure of targets, doing as much as they want to or need to, and to be felt and to get the equal and equivalent reward for the effort that they've put in. To see uh, Tina, shout out to Tina today, one of our brokers, she got a gift basket and it was the most ridiculous gift basket I've ever seen in my life. Maybe not the most expensive, but personalized uh, wow. named like water bottles, wow. like an entire kit and everything had her name on it. And it just like to see the reaction on her face, to, to see that her effort was recognized in, in a way that because nearly everyone in our team are ex-bankers and what they did was such a thankless job. Mm. And to see them being thanked, not only by us, just, you know, like today, to let people know, we, you know, we try to get a masseuse into the office every, every month or so, so because... It's a hard job. And sitting at your desk, as, as much as trading sure. might laugh at it, there's back problems from that. There's risk oh, problems from that. The, there's an upcoming podcast that I'm going to be doing in a few weeks with a mate of mine who's a sparky that went off the tools and into the office to do the, um, the project management side um, of that business for a year. And that contrast between going as a tradie on the tools, you scoff at the guys in the office to trying to give the office a crack. I don't want to spoil too much, but that's going to be a fun conversation because yeah. it's exactly that contrast. It is a hard mm. job sitting behind a computer all day, every day. Yeah, I, I, um, I pace. I'm a pacer. Mm. I'm a pacer and a placer. I'll get up, talk and walk while I'm on the phone and yep. I'll, I'll rearrange the office yep. and then I can't find my coffee cup. It's a terrible habit and Jace uh, from Future Advisory, he actually took a video of me doing it one day when we shared an office and it was the funniest thing I've ever seen because I looked like an absolute lunatic just touching <laughs> things and rearranging them. And I, and I got off the phone and I was looking for my coffee cup. I could not find it for the life of me because for the last 20 minutes, I'd just been moving things. Yeah. And it's just like, it's an unconscious effort from sitting in a call center when I started at the bank to like just keep moving because sitting for hours on end is like, it's, it's mental. It breaks you mm. mentally. It's mm. not normal. You no. shouldn't sit for that long. So, you know, so we... So, just, so to see people like genuinely putting uh, best interests of the client at heart, which uh, another s small little tangent. So how funny is this? After the Royal Commission, and I said I'd mention this. No, I, will, I was and this expecting it. The first and the last time I mentioned it. So you talk about corruption and, and things in, in the higher place of power. The, they were specifically tasked to, to talk about the bad thing the banks have done. And out of the end of it, one of the recommendations was, was to attack brokers. And it was right online with Matt Corman, CEO of... Uh, Commonwealth Bank. CBA, yeah. Uh, yeah, CEO of uh, CBA, Commonwealth mm. Bank, uh, biggest bank. And you could tell that this Royal Commissioner, um, 
Haynes had had a gold spoon in his mouth. He was he loved the banks. He couldn't. Someone in his position, where he's on half a million, three quarters of a million dollar salary, couldn't understand what the point of a broker was. Mm. And this is controversial, but Scott Pape, the barefoot investor, ninety yep. percent of what he says is great. The part where he craps on brokers comes from such a privileged, yeah, inexperienced point of view. Where why would you need help to get a loan? Uh, because banks have certain security restrictions. They have completely different policies from each other. Uh, that they treat overtime allowances, even rental income, completely differently. You're a like, sole trader. You're a, you're a trader. You've got your own exactly. business. You're on like, wages versus working for yourself. Not versus- gonna, and, and the idea that somehow that banks have the highest level of competency. No. Uh, <laughs> mate, I'll, I'll quickly tell you now that at a branch that was part of our LAM, our local area yep, market, yep. they put a guy who was a primary school teacher they gave him two weeks training in the city and sat him down at a branch as a senior homeland advisor. No. Wow. I, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. like, to assume that you're, that the person, just because they've got a bank logo on their badge, yeah. that they're somehow competent is wrong. And so, for the barefoot investor to, to uh, insinuate somehow because we, we are paid by, on a commission basis, mm. it makes us more expensive mm. is ridiculous mm. for two reasons. Number one, real estate agents make 2%. Go figure. Uh, and their transaction. They're not there. Like once you've bought a house, too bad, so sad. See you later. It's not their problem. Peace. Peace. Our commission is structured in such a way that the average life of a loan, now he harps on about how we get trail, which is essentially what we were getting as upfront commission only 15, 20 years ago. The bank said, well, that leads to detrimental outcomes because you just keep churning and getting people more and more loans. You're just getting paid more. So what we're going to do is trail commission was an answer to a problem. They said, we're going to pay you half now and we're going to drag out the other half of the work, the money that you're owed for the work that you did, we're going to drag it out over what is approximately the life of the loan, which the life of the loan is actually only five years. 100%. Because within five years, people either sell, move on, change banks. So the bank's only going to see it for five years. Yeah. So they drag out half of the money that we've worked hard for over five years. And now if that client leaves us and goes somewhere else after two years, that's what, like a quarter of our money that we haven't seen for the work that we've done? And then if a client leaves within two years or within 12 months, the bank takes back every single cent that we got, irrespective of the effort and the time. From 12 to 24 months, they'll take back half. So there is the reason it's structured in that way is we have to do the right thing, make sure it's the right product so that they don't have any need to change and that we don't do the wrong thing because we will lose everything. We'll lose everything. What was the point? Imagine a, a guy building a house and getting paid for it, spending that money on staff, wages, rent. And then being told they have to pay it back now because that person left in three months. Like it is critical to the performance of our business to make sure that everyone is looked after, both at settlement and post settlement. So, the for the barefoot investor of all people, someone who so many people look up to, who even I look up to, as an encouraging figure in fiscal responsibility, to say something like that without that perspective is just like I can't wait till he wants to one on one me, bro. I will one-on-one the snot out of that guy. Just come That'd at me. That'd be a great conversation. Come at me with a conversation, mate, because I will just change your mind. Yeah. Just such a lack of experience about, about what it does. And same for Commissioner Haynes. Just gold mm. spoons, don't understand. Went to a, maybe an inner city grammar school, who knows, but mm-hmm. they don't get it. Yeah. And it's... No, well said. That's all I got on. <laughs> hey, look, yeah, long tangent, but... I'm sure you've got more things to go with what was the, what was the price of entry. So we'll go we'll go off all the tangents. We'll go back to the core of the podcast, Brenny. Core of the podcast. This is it. This conversation. I think this all adds up because one of the things I love about the concept of this pod- podcast. I know that sounds really so that's kind of narcissistic, but whatever. I've said it. No, it's on record. It's a format. 
true. Is for me personally, <clears throat> I sure you hear what is written in an article, or you hear what somebody says on stage, or you hear what somebody says in a meeting, and you can go, okay, cool. Who are they? What do they do? How do they go about life? What are their ethics? What are their values? How do their values affect their actions? And a lot of that can be, I believe in this and I believe in that. That's nice. That's cute. I've, (laughs) at the ripe old age of 32, know that a person, the life that they live and how they live it, the decisions they make, the people they surround themselves with, says so much more than what they say in a candid couple of minutes. Mm. Um, and that's what this podcast is about, is, is talking about not just that straight line from where you started to where you are now, but the tangents that went into it. Man, I actually did a presentation uh, to, I sponsored an event for um, CPA Australia or Char- Chartered Practicing Accountants Australia. And um, one of the things that they asked me, you know, like, how did you do what you did and I said mate your career your life it's like Tarzan swinging through the jungle like it's in, if you watch that OG Disney cartoon where he slides down a branch then he goes I'm going to grab this vine and then the vine snaps but you know what okay cool he just rolls with it he literally rolls and then grabs another branch or another vine also soundtrack of Phil Collins great oh, soundtrack fantastic it's amazing yeah fantastic so I use that analogy because like that is how it rolls. That's how it goes. That's that's what life is, is rolling with and just continuing to, to you, have a momentum but also know to pivot. And picking things up from other people, I mentioned this before, but I, I strongly believe in never learning things the hard way. You can learn from other people, as in you've seen them make a mistake. You look at the core reasons why they made a, what put them in the place to make that mistake and how can you avoid it yourself. But doing that and having a more... Uh, I don't know if it's introspective, but looking at it from an outside angle and going, what can I apply from that to me, often saves you a lot of that those yeah. snapped vines and those yeah. tumbles. Just yeah. being able to, I guess, be a bit more aware of what's happening around you. You know, the whole two ears, one mouth thing. To, you know, hear is twice as much and absorb twice as much as you put out. Mm. And you talk about, you know, um, people that do stand up on stage. And that's one thing that I was very, very focused on was I did not... When I, at the end of my banking career, I was presenting and teaching the entire Victorian Tasmanian banking team. I'd gone to Shine, wow. which is their, their premier award program for brokers. Uh, sorry, for bankers. And mm. it wasn't based on my actual numbers. There were, bank, there were bankers writing way more than me, but it was because they could tell that I was passionate about, like, like Dirk used to say, it's not a party with one person on the dance floor. You know, so you had to have <laughs> everyone succeeding yep. and on the dance floor Love for it. it to be a real success. So I truly believe that, and um, and, and yeah, you know, and, that, and that's that's why I, you know, for broking, for three and a half years, I didn't want to present. I didn't want to say anything because I did. I had not earned the right. Put in the work. I, I hadn't earned the right. Mm. I had the, the the runs weren't on the board. I I I've been in the industry two years, and I and I would somehow think I'm qualified to tell people mm. what to do. Mm. It's only now, you know, tw- uh, what, 11, 12 staff later, and uh, you know, we've done as a group, you know, maybe would be, you know, over easily over quarter billion dollars worth of loans. And it's like, now I'm comfortable telling people, you know, we've actually done all right. We've not only been successful, but it hasn't been a flash in the pan. It's actually looks like it's, it looks like it's going to be sustainable. Mm. So now I feel like we've earned the right. If people ask me, what are you doing to actually say, look, I don't mind sharing and you can take what you need 
I'm not saying I'm right, but this is what's worked for us. Yeah. You know, and I don't mind doing that now. Whereas previously, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I don't didn't feel like I'd earned the right. Yeah. I think one of the things that you mentioned before, and again, tell me if this is an untrue statement, is your vision for your customers and your goal for your customers is the same for your business and for mm. your people within the business. Yeah. It's that time. Have the time on your hands that you want. Yeah. Like the guy today, no social media presence, not flashy, but is in a position where he is going to be a way better position than anyone who was showing off on, on socials. And I, I, I was pretty off socials for a long time when I came back from China because once again, I just like, I didn't earn the right to show Like if I showed you anything, it would be a flash in the pan. I had one good day. Most mm-hmm. days weren't great. Mm-hmm. How great do you think it is? Like we just moved back. Um, you know, wife is struggling with being in a new country, not speaking the language. Um, even though she's fluent in English, it's still not her mother tongue. Um, falling pregnant, having a second child and then an awful pregnancy with that. So, and then having a husband who was doing the, what he felt was the right thing at the time, which was to grind and work 60 hours a week. When in hindsight, it might've been to be more present and be more helpful. So at the time we both did what we thought was best, which was for her was to not say anything and, and to support me and the kids as much as she could. And for me, it was to be out and hustling and making the money. Because we had, and this goes back to that expectations thing, where I had the expectation that making more money would make my family happy. That's what you perceived was the price of entry into the lifestyle that you wanted. In the lifestyle that I thought would make my family happy. Yeah. Because I could sense that my family wasn't entirely happy. And that was nothing to do with the amount of money we were making. It was the circumstances of the time. So my answer, my medicine for that was maybe not the right medicine. But, you know, and that's, you talk about hindsight, you talk about the price of entry. The price of where I am now is being relatively absent for the first couple of years of my youngest son's life and for my oldest son's life even, and from my wife's life. That was the price of entry. It was a, a real emotional and psychological cost that has taken years years and a lot of arguments a lot of very emotional situations where my parents have had to get involved her parents have had to get involved because of misaligned expectations and mm. and us growing together mm. i could have easily seen and point to two or three instances where we could have just gone fingers up see you later like but both of us made the decision to go you know what whether it's this person or someone else, there's something that we need to change. Because if it's someone else and we don't change what we're doing, we're just going to have the same problem with someone else. And that's is a reoccurring theme in this conversation. Humility, being willing to change, changing, mm. and something else that, that just slipped my mind. Well, I think um, like a sense oh, of self-awareness. Right. Yeah. Self-awareness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. And so that, that can, that's painful. Having the mirror held up you don't and being told yeah. that you are actually wrong, that's hard. It's not fun. And on that dark note, um, we're going to open up a limited run of uh, Lark's Quiet Cannon Rum from their oh, Copperpot Still. Oh, stop it. Uh, small cast aged, hand bottled, and it is in a sensational bottle for those who can't see, but it looks stunning. And it's an interesting rum because it's quite complex. It's not as sweet as, like, say, your more mainstream Kraken rums or your um, goat, Mr. Morgan, the Morgan one. 
Captain Morgan. Captain Morgan. I'm going to make a confession here. I haven't really delved that deep into the rum wormhole. I only got into it because a friend of mine, Josh Davis, another person you need to talk to, he started a tattoo parlor in Pakenham called The Wolves Den. Did he fix you up with your sleeve or? His, uh, the business he owns in Bali did. So he actually opened a tattoo parlor in Bali because he's like, if I can't capture like the, the, the high-end parlor, like I think I feel like he's one of the few people in the country that pioneered uh, a high-end clean, almost New York barber style mm. parlor version of tattoos, not mm. run by bikies. I was about to say, as opposed to the bikey, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a bikey den type thing. Mm. Um, so he made it super accessible. He didn't make anyone feel judged if they wanted to get in and get a rose on their on their lower back, you know. <clears throat> and genius opened a tattoo removal removal service in the same building. Makes sense. So people would go in, get rid of that crap tattoo, get a good one, or go in and get a crap tattoo because that's what they wanted, and then come back a few years later. And he kept it all in house, end to end, the piercings, the tattoos, the tattoo removals, the retattooing, that's the good business model, excellent business model, killed it. Full life cycle. Wolves Den tattoo, and and he actually um, went through Kerwin Ray's program who's a business advisor and found right. that it was a pivot moment for him and he uh, he killed it. Um, that's just an example of someone who, you know, had a self-awareness, started from scratch, you know, did amazing things. Wow. That's cool. <clears throat> but it was yeah. him that got me onto rums. Sorry, I was, I was like, why that am was, I talking about that? Yeah, I was like, that's uh, right. Where are we yeah. going with this? But he, after I watched The Last Dance, because he'd always had a cigar and I was like, I've never smoked anything in my life. I, I, to, to this day, I've never really? had a cigarette and yeah. I've never had a blunt. I've n- never had edibles, but uh, I mean uh, chocolate brownies. But I've never, um, I've never had, uh, I've never smoked anything. And what got me onto cigars was the Last Dance, and to see Michael Jordan just like pull it off so pounding smooth. them, pounding them, but like such a smooth cat, and he didn't die. He's still alive. He's still kicking. Um, <laughs> so eyes are a little murky. I looked into. I'm like, but how does he still have lung capacity as a professional athlete? And I'm like, they don't inhale. I'm like, are you serious? It's a taste thing. Yep. Oh, COVID. I'm bored as anything. I'll get onto that. And then I was on a, um, on a, like a Alexander's in Turak, the cigar merchants. They do, uh, they were doing webinars during COVID and the guy did a pairing webinar and he's like, Nicaraguans are good with rum. And I'm like, I've never had rum. I'm going to try this. And there's another, like there's Tony down the rabbit hole again, as if whiskey wasn't expensive enough, as if cigars weren't expensive enough. Then it was, oh, well, I like Nicaraguans as opposed to Cubans. Cubans are better with scotch typically. Nicaraguans are, 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 you know, good with, uh, in, especially in a Maduro Rafa, with uh, rum. It's like a bit of a contrast there. Um, it's more like a dark, rich, chocolatey bit of leather. It's, it's definitely on the, the strong end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but with rums, the sweetness sort of balances it out, and that's when I started going in the rum rabbit hole. So, hot tip, anyone listening, Diplomatico uh, is the best, like, Sort of not it's not top shelf, okay. but it's 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 right there as a good staple. Mm. Um, Plantation XO twenty year reserve is like the one above that. Um, yeah, and if you if you like something a bit like less sweet, you can try Dictador. Okay, but that's where when Lark did a once off rum release, I was like, I gotta try that. And this is complex. I, I actually I prefer Diplomatico, but right. this is complex. So I do enjoy it, but not with the same level of like easy going freeloading that Diplomatico is Diplomatico. Oh, if you just want to get lit, Kraken. <laughs> Kraken rub. We, yep. we polished off a bottle at Lake Ilden and it, oh. was, it, was, it was a lit night. That That's was Buffalo cool. Trace for me. Yeah. Probably where the paths diverged was bourbon for myself. Mm. So 
Woodford Reserve, um, Double Oaked, um, Woodford Reserve, Kentucky Derby is a good sort of cut-down version of that. Um, I even managed to get a Woodford Reserve Triple Oaked, Oof. which was just like... Bourbon is severely underdone in Australia. It is so underrated and so underdone here. And I did a road trip across America driving a few years back and it was just an awakening into bourbon. And seriously, dirty confession, a pint of Guinness and a shot of, uh, not Maker's Mark, of Buffalo Trace, Mm -hmm. change your life. (laughs) It's dirty and simple and it's nothing like what we're tasting tonight in terms of level of complexity and craft and whatever, but I tell you what, it just, it's, it's ice cream with just it's yeah, chocolate it's and vanilla. It's like they're both tree. great. Yeah, 100%. Going back to uh, off another beautiful, tasty tangent, um, knowing, and you just beautifully articulated previously the price of entry um, for both yourself and your family, and that's something that, I'm already picking up in a few of these conversations I'm having is what we do if you are not just single and even if you are single probably there is a cost on your friends and family but when you are married with a family and what you do to earn dollary dues money to provide for this world Mm. to provide for your family to get by in this world it affects your family as well they pay a significant part of that price of entry, and again, not to harp on too much about it, but again, part of the concept of this, it's not just the financial price of getting into something, it's the time, it's those conversations, those hard chats that you had to have. I remember the other thing before. It's, you know, it's honesty, but also setting of expectations. Mm-hmm. The setting of expectations is a common thing that I mentioned but forgot before. Now knowing what that price was that you paid, whilst figuring it out and being Tony and just making the changes and big ideas and just going for it and wanting to make things happen and, and, and see your vision come to pass. Um, knowing that price now, time machine question, if you could go back to 19-year-old Tony and other than telling him to not wear just shorts and a singlet, what other pieces of advice would you give yourself, if any, there's a caveat exit to the question, what advice would you give, would you give yourself, if any to reduce that price or is it a case where you needed to go through that to get to where you did today with the wisdom that you now have it's um it's definitely a humble moment or a point of humility to admit that it took being broken to be rebuilt to come to those levels of understanding so like there are and potentially there are plenty of people out there that realize these things without having to go through the pain of arguing and fighting and, you know, um, night spent on the couch, um, you know, to, to learn these things without having to go through that. The, the person I was at that time had to, because if someone told me, I would have thought I knew better. So did it, sometimes we, we need to be broken down to learn these things. But if you're not, if you don't learn from them and you're just broken by them, that's a problem. If you get broken by them, you don't learn from them. You're just going to get broken again until you do. Like it, you know. One of the one of the best things about COVID was the amount of not only exercise I managed to do because I got the home gym, but the um, the amount of reading I was able to do. And Ryan Holiday is fantastic. Or the first book I read, it was outside of out of chronological chronological order. I read his second book before his first, but 
I've just finished the, the first, which was Obstacle is the Way, and the first the, the first one I read, which is the second book, was Ego is the Enemy. That was fantastic. It really um, brought home and allowed me to articulate what what I'd been through, how he explained it, and then to put that filter on it and go, oh, yeah. But I only had that understanding and the realization because I'd gone through it and I'd learned it the hard way. And to read it in, in such a well-articulated Easy to understand format with because I'm a huge history buff. A lot of historical reference as well to both current and historical figures. In his first book, he talks about the obstacle is the way, right. which is based and predicated on Stoic philosophy. Which is, in a nutshell, I'm going to butcher this. Is that talking about the <coughs> crucible and they have to go through the? Cru- I'm thinking about something completely different. No, this is um. So Stoicism is is an interesting philosophy, and I think if there's one thing that our education system it's done wrong. It's to ignore, like I talk about, don't learn things the hard way. Don't reinvent the wheel. You're just wasting time. Like, if that's a wheel and it works, use it. Try to find better ways. Sure, never stop trying to find better ways. But in the meantime, don't stop using the wheel. We stop teaching stuff that, like, I also firmly believe that if something is, is essentially true, it's true no matter the time period or the, you know, the age or the, you know, whether we're in the dark. The failings or, of the person that said it. Look, it doesn't matter. It's, if something is true, it's true. There are things that are true. Maths is one of them. Science is one of them. And that truth might be refined over time. But once you hit upon a certain essential truth, one plus one equals two, you can write it any way you want, but if, but you can make it, you can try to get as arbitrary or as, you know, as uh, fancy worded as you can to try to make it not look that way or whatever it is. But end of the story, that plus that equals that. So, those Socratic thoughts and mm-hmm. Stoic philosophies and stuff, um, one of the key founding things is that something happens. It's how you react to it that is the key deciding factor because what has happened is unchangeable. And that unchangeable nature of what has happened, you know, if people are broken by it and they choose to react to it in a way that says, I'm not going any further, they won't go any further. It's their choice. Someone who, let's say they're walking along a mountain path, and this is, the exa- this is the example I thought of when I was in the shower one day. I'm walking along a mountain path and a boulder falls in front of me. That doesn't mean it's the end of my journey. It means that I now have multiple different paths. I can backtrack, look for a different way around this boulder. Or if it's clear enough, instead of having one path that I was following, I now have two, left or right. So to see obstacles come, because like, life is suffering. Bad things happen. So if you think that somehow changing laws or like or, or somehow government is able to protect people mm. from suffering, it is only true to a certain extent. Yep. Because bad things happen. That is life and it is unchangeable. And people who I find that the people who have the most difficulty in life are the people that feel that the, that suffering difficulty should A should not have happened yep. to them or otherwise. And B that it's either not their fault or there's nothing they can do about it, which is a lie and it is a lazy lie to avoid taking responsibility for the choices you make mm. to let it better you or to further your success or to improve who you are. So that's... Yeah. To not get too big picture on this. I've already touched on it earlier, so whatever. Do you think going back to a, the generational question earlier, part of our parents' generation was... Observing one, as you said earlier, we've got this opportunity and they saw this opportunity. They impart 
fought blood, sweat and tears mm. for the opportunity that our generation has. Hence the statements like, pursue your dreams because yeah. there is options galore that we never had. Oh, 100%. But at the same time, they went through hell. So there was also within them the desire to remove hardship and obstacles from us so that we didn't have to when in their generation maybe the boulder falls in front. There's only one way, through. Yeah. And they had to chip through one thing at a time. Mm. So they didn't want us to have to fight the battles that they did. And in so removing such obstacles but then providing us with options, it's not just providing us with options but going pursue all of the options, you get case in point of gentlemen today that you spoke to with choice paralysis mm -hmm. because there's been a removal of being able to take risks. We've been provided a safe environment to grow up in. And it also, because we, a lot of, a lot, like all of, a lot of us have never had suffered hardships like nah. our friend in Cambodia, we lack perspective. Yes. And I, ha I actually had this meeting with the team because we came out of COVID and you can tell people's stress levels, people's like balance had been upset. And when that balance is upset, it creates high levels of stress. And I looked into what is, you know, a lot of reading, and this is not, like, I'm not an authoritative figure. Once again, I will qualify this. I'm an idiot drinking and having a cigar. But stress is a biological reaction yep. of survival. Yep. And I actually had a meeting with the team because we noticed that, you know, stress levels were high. People were having anxiety and mm. that's another word as well we need to separate stress from anxiety because these are two different things yep. anxiety is a response to stress mm. mm -hmm. it is not the it is a it is a choice yep. and I know that there are medical and physiological reasons for anxiety and I'm not discounting that mm. because there are definitely people that, that have uh, in, imbalanced hormones and mm. other medical reasons for anxiety mm. so I'm not distracting from that I'm talking about a large percentage of people where there are no medical reasons when they face stress or they consider something to be stressful. They see it as the boulder in the analogy. Yeah. It's not actually the boulder. It, but it, that's it. Or they see the boulder as insurmountable or impassable or an, as as like something that has gotten in the way of what they want desperately. Yeah. Which a lot of times for people is just a peaceful existence. Hmm. So a file will go sideways or a client will do something that is really upsetting and creates a lot of problems. When that happens, I, I said to the guys, I sat them down, I go, Stress is a biological response from our early days as humans where we, it was a death thing. We didn't, we stressed because we thought if we don't. It was helpful. It was, it stress gave us the drive to make the conditions better because it was, we're going to die. Therefore, we need mm. to do something. You know, pressure makes diamonds. But um, there's an awesome saying in Chinese, meo yali, meo dongli, which means without pressure, there is no movement. Mm. And Every every um, country has words or sayings that are really difficult to translate. And in Chinese, that's one of them because it refers to pressure is the catalyst to movement and growth. It's a lot more than what it is on the surface in English. And so I used that when I was talking to the team and I just said to them, every time you're feeling anxious or you're feeling that bout of anxiety because of a file, because of a client or what's going on, just say these words. Is anyone going to die? Because oftentimes the anxiety then clouds our judgment to the response. And so I, I told them my, my stress mantra, which is 
Have I done everything I can? Yes, don't stress. Have I done everything I can? No, then do what you can. Don't stress. But in both response, but in both of those, you know, you have to look at it quite analytically and it takes training. It's not something you can just one day wake up and do, mm. but it's, it's very much like a meditation or a mantra yep. where you repeat it and you say, when you start feeling that feeling come on, you say, what have I done to resolve this? Is there anything I can do? If there is, do it. If there's not, don't stress. It's there's it. no point. Yep. And that was huge for us. Um, you know, when you have a situation that you need to fix something, uh, at, you know, sometimes the response when you're stressful is to try to unnecessarily fix something when it's not going to make a lick of difference. It's mm. just to try to make us feel better. And knowing the... W- there's a, there's a cool saying, which is knowledge and what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? And knowledge is the facts. Wisdom is knowing what to do with the facts. Ooh, I love that. So, you know, knowing that this happened, but then having the wisdom to then tell yourself and accept that there is nothing you could have done or you could do differently now, and then to mentally push the stress away and not feel it. That is like people exercise their bodies and I feel like our generation has had a huge focus on going to the gym and looking ripped. But now what's really exciting for me is seeing all these exciting people like Gary Vaynerchuk, like um, Jason Capital on, on TikTok who I follow, uh, Cohen Ray uh, in the broker world, Jason Beagley, where they, they are educating, they're trying to get people to train their emotions, train their minds, train their character because they oh, that builds character. Yeah. You can build character. It's like going to the gym. It sucks. I, I did I did personal training before COVID went down. I hated it, but I loved it because I saw results, but I hated the pain. Mm. No one likes pain. And that's what, like training yourself. That neural to, pathways within your brain. Yeah. Setting a new track. A yeah. new mental habit. Yeah. Like set, trying to create new mental habits mm. is as hard, if not harder than trying to create healthy eating and exercise habits, which most people struggle with. I know I I 100% struggle with that. Someone, Greggy, who's the yin and yang to Jason from Future Advisory, he saw me exercising and posting on TikTok and my exercise and that inspired him during COVID to run 20 minutes a day. Oh, nice. And I like to do a nice hour and a half, two hour exercise. That's my thing. And if I don't have that time available, I won't do it. To my detriment. I have increased muscle mass uh, and not lost as much fat as I would like, but I've increased muscle mass and I'm feeling healthier than I ever have. Mm. But I would like to lose some some fat. Greggy lost 15 kilos from just doing 20 minutes a day. And he was supposed to do it as a challenge for 30 days, but he's on a day 144 and he's just keeping it up. And it now. You, mate, to, to the difficulty of every day, no matter how tired you are, no matter how much you've got on, to just find 20 minutes to run is really under it's understated who's done that runs 100 runs 20 minutes a day for 144 days in a row and there's days where he's done half marathons and stuff and he, he sort of he's almost addicted now to the progression he's seeing losing 15 kilos that's amazing he looks great and i don't think um unnecessary you know obsession with physical perfection is you know like i think it's unnecessary but health is important because without physical health you're going to lose your mental health as well 100 percent Last question, because we just hit an hour, nearly 20, uh, two hours and 20. Oh, it's wild. No, it's good. Great conversation. I, I'm, I'm loving this. Booze helps. <laughs> sure does. And it's a Friday night and it's, it's warm outside. It's a, it's a great day and great company. Great beverages and great cigar. Mm. What do you do to 
switch, not off, but transfer from, my wife and I would call it our third space. It's the space between home and work. It's how do we switch between, especially working from home for us. For me, it was archery and working on the Land Cruiser was I'd get up from my desk, walk outside to the, literally the other side of the wall of my computer into the garage and would do that for at least half an hour a day. It was my 20 minutes of running. And that for me was completely removed of work and what I was doing to reset so that I could be more present mm. once we got back inside and we could talk about our days even though we're both working in the same house. What other habits do you have that help you transfer from work, Tony, to husband and father, Tony? I've probably got a different approach because one of the things I learned about the craft nature of what we do is that we don't ever really turn off. And that's... That's got to be hard. Yeah, we don't... Like, the nature of what we do. Like, I had a client who was just looking for pre-approval, but it was stressing them out because their lease was coming up in four months and they're just a, they're just a planner and things hadn't gone the way we envisioned them. Evaluation had come back, which that's the other thing about our role. There are a lot of components to what we do that are out of our hands and we just have to manage them as best as we can, which is why a lot of people burn out in, in our role, which is why I reiterated to the team that, are you dying? No. Are they dying? No. Everyone will be fine. It'll be nasty. It'll be unpleasant. It'll be yuck but everyone will be fine. Just do your best. This person, because it had been outside of their control, was in tears. It's 9.30 at night. I've Zoom called them to let them know where we're at. That's the other thing. Tell people bad news as soon as you've got it. Don't delay. Because all you're doing is just delaying the pain. It's like ripping off a bandit. Just do it. So I've got someone crying on a meeting, 9.30 at night. Could I have said... It's six o'clock, I'm switching off. Yes, but I wouldn't have the same level of care and, and I guess, level of uh, requirement that I place on myself, the level that I place on myself if I do turn off. So technically, I don't turn off. What I do is I recharge my batteries and mm. I've, I've learned to be mentally agile. So when I'm with my kids, I'm with my kids. Little rules like mm. the, the phone is the devil, because that is the gateway to how I make money, which is communication, which is done by the phone, whether it's social media, WeChat, WhatsApp, phone calls, SMSs, checking emails. These are deadly devices. And I think the key is be available, but be present. But the, love the stress, be available, but be present. Set boundaries. Like I don't take calls after 10 p.m. Like that for me is a boundary. It might seem like an extreme boundary, but <laughs> yep. that for me is a thing. Don't take calls after 10 p.m. But I try to charge my batteries every day and it's understanding what charges your battery so for me it's um, going out into the forest and going hunting because I have no reception good luck nice try it's uh, putting my phone on silent putting it in my bag and going in and doing nine holes of golf with Luke um, to just you know re refresh the batteries um, it's being in a relationship where you don't the other person understands if you don't want to talk you just want peace and quiet. I've talked all day. That's my job. My job is talking, whether it's bringing a credit manager over the line to see the way things we see it so that he'll approve it or calming down anxious clients, reassuring them, whatever it is. Talking is what I do for work. So not talking is the way I recharge those batteries. I spend a lot of time on screens and that used to be my predominant way of relaxation. I used to play a lot of video games. But now because I spend so much time on screens, 
looking at a screen hurts my eyes. Mm. So I've had to rediscover what helps me with that. Um, so I think it's important that whatever you're doing, find the counterbalance to recharge your batteries. Mm. So if you're spending all your time in front of the screen, go do something without a screen. If you're always on the phone, go do something without a phone. And whatever you're doing, be present because multitasking is a lie. Yep. Is an absolute lie. You can't multitask. Because if you're talking to a client and trying to spend time with your kids, the client feels like you're not paying attention and neither do the kids. Lose, lose. So in that instance, depending on what the case is, if it's for what the client feels like life and death, that is a sacrifice I need to make. I say, boys, hang on a sec. Daddy's going to make a five, 10 minute phone call. I'm going to take this call and I'll come right back. And I have to honor that promise. Because if I don't, then you lose the trust of your children. So balance the dichotomy of finding the, 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 con- the contrast or the opposite to what it is that drains your batteries and then spending time in that to recharge your batteries and knowing that life isn't perfect and it's not always going to fit your schedule. So like that's why I'm so impressed by the 20 minutes a day because I l- I'm a Nazi when it comes to my schedule with my time. So what was a struggle for me was that during COVID, there was no social time. Mm. So to come back out of that and then have to get back into rigidly organizing my calendar was really hard. And I feel like now finally I'm on top of it because typically free time is something my wife organizes. Yeah. And if I want to do something for myself, I have to take time out Monday to Friday, which recently hasn't been on the table. Yeah. So luckily, um, one of the things I learned to support my wife was that she needs time to recharge, to be away from us. Because mm-hmm. when she spent two weeks, a month in China with her family and friends and doing what she wants to do, when she comes back, she's completely refreshed. She wants to be present. Whereas if I say, I don't want to look at, you know, I don't want to, like I call it um, part-time single dad because <laughs> I'm literally a single parent for that month. There's no help. Mm. I'm I'm running a biz, two businesses. I'm cooking, doing school pick up and drop off, getting the lunches ready. There are no shortcuts. There was no canteen at the previous place where we could do lunch orders and stuff. And I don't really think it's a healthy way to do it anyway. So that taught me a lot of respect for what mm. my wife does and how much hard work that is mm. to create a healthy regimen. Mm. But it also allowed me to level up myself so much that I see a lot of guys, and, and this is. Take it as you will, and I don't care if this makes people butt hurt. but they come home from their job and their expectation is things need to be a certain way and mm. they're done by their wife, which is completely wrong because both of you are running a household. Like, I, yeah, it's a team effort. And I think a lot of the time there's this cultural expectation that men make money, mm. wife make food. If you make money, you still make food. There's I made money first or I made more money. And it's like, no, the amount of money you make is irrelevant. You've both worked, whether it's with the kids at home or whether it's in the household or it's at the office, you've both worked nine to five. Why is it fair for her to do overtime and pull out a three-course meal? You know what I mean? So um, there are seasons where mm-hmm. definitely my wife for, like, fulfilled that role amazingly to support us to get our business to where it needs to yeah. be. It's definitely as much her business as it is mine. Um and now she started her photography business and and I said to her, like, stop buying all this stuff because you don't have time to cook it. I don't have time to buy it. So we've gone to HelloFresh because like Brendan got to got a taste of that tonight. It's you cook it yourself, but you don't have to go through the effort of deciding what you're gonna eat hmm. and going out and getting the stuff. 
So, you know, that's the HelloFresh for me was the rather than saying I don't have time to buy the stuff I'm not cooking it or okay, it's my turn, so I'm going to order. It's like, well, there's a middle path mm. where I can definitely add some variety and healthy meals and also cook. It doesn't take that long. So, yeah, like that, I guess, dichotomy of, of, of spending the time and counterbalancing it and knowing that there are seasons for things is, is important. Mm. Because you may need to, like I have for the last two or three months, forego any recharge time and just stretch yourself. You're like a rubber band. You'll stretch and stretch and stretch. You may break. But you can repair that with time and with care, with self-care mm. and with support. But the rubber band can now stretch further than it ever could before. Mm. Mm. And it's like people are this, like you don't know how much you can stretch that rubber band until you break a few times, mm. until you keep stretching. Mm. Mm. But as long as you keep stretching slowly, slowly with, with the support system around you, you, what people can achieve is ridiculous. Like people can't believe that I can do what I can do and cook and clean mm. and spend time with the kids mm. and and do all this stuff. And it's just because it's just come down to not multitasking, but just focus, grinding and treating it as a grind is something you just have to do. Um, and not taking a no excuses uh, attitude to it and letting go of some of those sort of parochial patriarchal expectations that that are in society. Um, like the season now is I need to support you because she supported me at the start of my business. I'm going to do the same. So, if it means that I need to come home early and then cook dinner and then clean and then get the kids ready for bed, do their homework with them and put them in sleep and then keep working from when they go to sleep at nine until 11.30 at night to make up for that time I, I should have been working, I'll do it. Mm, mm. Because like Yo-Yo was breastfeeding and looking after Ronan, like getting up yeah. all night breastfeeding and dealing with m- massive amounts of things going wrong or not being easy. And so, you know, that that sacrifice, that's that she's paid for that in blood. So yeah. I, I that's the least I can do is mm. you know, work later than normal to make up for that. And that to to close out this incredible conversation, that didn't ruin the coffee, the brand new no, no. tablecloth. Is the common themes that keep coming through, it takes humility admit that, that you're human, that it's a team, that there are going to be seasons. It takes humility to recognize those things within yourself and then within the team that you are both at work and at home. And then the setting of expectations. You said it before. You say to son, I'll be back in five, ten minutes. You set the expectation. But it took humility to realize that you are trying to multitask under a false economy that's not real and go, I need to be honest with myself, neither of these things are succeeding or going to work right now. I'm going to be humble and go, I need to make a call, set the expectation, made the call, and it worked. I think that's two of those, those, those clear qualities and traits that you have learnt over the years that have gotten you to where you are, is that humility, setting expectations, and learning. Mm. and moving on and not making the same mistake twice. It's impressive, man. Lots of broken rubber bands. But if anyone's listening to this, then, you know, you don't have to break the rubber band. You know, just own up to it early, whatever it is. Just realize that, look at it from an outsider's point of view and from a, 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 a sort of on the balcony point of view and mm. just make all the changes you can. Yeah. If you can't, 
like if you're thinking, but that's not fair, why should I change? Like to somehow think that people change together mm. because life is change. And to think that your business partner or your wife is going to always be on the same page as you and is always going to be have the same goal as you yeah. or should always pursue what you think is the best goal and vice versa um, doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Just do your best and at the end of the day, if you can put your head on the pillow and go, I did literally everything I could to create a, a good environment and a good home and and or recognize what you could have done better and apologize and just eat dirt, eat that humble pat, sweet, sweet, humble pat, mm-hmm. and just be like, all right, I'm sorry. I know what I did wrong. I acknowledge that, and I won't do it again, and then follow up on it, whether it's your career or your marriage. <laughs> or your marriage to your business partner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great, man. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. it was Thanks, a great discussion. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? Nah, not to this podcast, but we'll, def- we'll probably have a post-podcast review of some of this, uh, some of this stuff because we didn't talk too much about it. But yeah, yeah, love it. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Man. Have a good day. Bye.